Ten Abrahams. Good morning. It is a good morning. It's good to see you all. Let's begin with our song. No, no, bis domine, domine. No, no, bis domine. Sed no mini, sed no mini. To a da glorium. No, no, bis domine, domine. No, no, bis domine. Sed no mini, sed no mini. To a da glorium. Amen. Have a seat. Okay. Well, a lot of crazy things happened uh, this last weekend, and um, before we reference those things, I want to bring up Mrs. Martin and Phoebe to do some sports announcements. Good morning. It's almost the end of the basketball season. Um, middle school boys have finished up their season. High school boys had a win on Friday against Anzar High School. Yeah. Um, they have a couple games this week. Ace Charter School tonight in San Jose and another Monterey Bay Academy game on Wednesday. And next week, um, two new sports are starting. We're starting a new season. Next week starts middle school girls volleyball, <laughs> which is always really popular. And the high school swim team starts next week. All right. Thank you. Yeah, exciting. Um, all right. And I think we have some leadership students going to come up. Talk about house points. I know. Tell a joke. All right. Some of you may have really already heard. I have a very sad announcement today. Calvin is in fourth place. At 8,665 points, we will not stay here. We are going up. The Yeah, go ahead. I don't know what else to say. Hello, everyone. So in third place with 18,745 points is George. He's not laughing. In second place with 19,895 points is uh, Aquinas. Oh. So uh, in first place is Augustine with 20,200 points. Enthusiasm. Yeah, enthusiasm, that's right. Okay. Um, 
Well, that was a good little lead change for Augustine. All right. Um, I want to uh, I want to just get into it here, but before I do, I want to um, just say thank you for all your prayers for the Clayton family, and um, things are in a better place right now, but uh, continue to pray for them. Uh, we're very glad that uh, Brianna and Royal are back today, and God is kind, amen. So keep them, keep them in your prayers. All right, um, and there was really good waves this weekend, so and thank the Lord for that. Um, I want to start off with, uh, you remember we talked about three resolutions we were going to have this, this year. The first was, does anybody remember? Yes, no complaining, yeah, no complaining. And the second, yes, oh, <laughs> yes, no uh, no um, trash from you leaving around the school, yeah, no student, no uh, privileged student footprint uh, left behind, uh, so be good stewards, right, be godly stewards. Um, what was the other one? Hazel? That's the yes. That was the third one. Nobody remembers the second one. All right, that's okay. I'll, I'll, we're going to come back to it anyway. The, we're going to talk about complaining today. Did you guys hear that? Just want to play that again for you in case you. Oh, wait. Let me go back. But I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. It's one of my favorite lines in Star Wars, and it is something that I think is, it captures how we all sound when we complain. This is, this is how people hear you when, when you complain sometimes. Aw, I was going to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. We talked about not complaining. But before we can talk about keeping this resolution, we need to understand what it means to complain and what it means to, to not complain. Therefore, the question for us to consider first is, what is a complaint? A complaint is basically a statement about how bad things are. We complain when we suffer or when we judge things to be unsatisfactory. We all do this. That's the worst. Okay. I know. When we when we complain, we make a judgment. 
But how do we know our assessment of a given situation is right? How do we know we can trust our own judgment of things? Anyone who has lived a year or two in this world will know that we can't always trust our initial feelings about things. Think about an infant. Do you guys, even, even you, first grade, kindergarten, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, even you guys, you can think back. Think about a baby, right? Do you guys remember when you were a baby? No, you probably don't. But you can, but how many people have seen a baby cry or shriek? I doubt you'll get such an offer from the shrieking eels, right? Okay, put your hands down. You can look at a baby and you can think, man, what's wrong? And then you find out, oh, they're just teething. Or, oh, she's just hungry. Or, oh, he just has a little gas. He's gassy. It's true. And you think, but, but when you, even, you know, four or five years older, you look back on that and you're like, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, I deal with that. That's not that big of a deal, right? I'm not going to cry and freak out, right? I mean, can you imagine if you're in, you know, if you're 10 years old and you, you started shrieking like that just because you were hungry in the middle of a store? Your parents would be like, <laughs> okay, get in the car. When we meet with any hard, I mean like daily, ordinarily hard situation, getting sick, missing a flight, locking our keys in the car, getting a flat tire, waiting for our friends at the mall, and we have to wait around, and they're not there, we look lame, right? My friends aren't here yet. I want to go shopping, but my friends aren't here yet. It's the worst. We express our discontent. Even in these basic things, we express our discontent. But what we often forget is that we are making a judgment about the world in that moment. And, guys... Bailey. No. Understood properly, a complaint is a hasty judgment. It's an impatient critique. How often have we misinterpreted a situation, thinking it was worse than it really was? That's what life is about. That's what what growing up is about. Things used to be really hard, and then you look back at them when you're a little older, and you're like, actually, that wasn't that hard. (laughs) Just ask some of your parents about the time when you were a baby, and and, and say, Mom, Daddy, talk to me about sleep deprivation. Tell me the story of sleep deprivation. And you'll hear some dark things, people. Watch out. Philosophically, a complaint is just simply a lack of wisdom. It has to do with wisdom, people. Yes, it has to do with your attitude, but it's also you're judging the world, but you're not judging it rightly. It's a lack of wisdom. And I do this all the time. (laughs) I complain over little things. 
And it pronounces an impulsive verdict without fully knowing God's plan. The problem, this is a picture of Cain and Abel, by the way. Remember Cain's complaint? It just didn't make sense. God came to him and said, why are you unhappy? (laughs) This is an image of uh, the rebellion at Korah. Okay, Here's the thing. The Bible's full of places that condemn complaining. The, con- the Bible condemns the act of complaining all over the place. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 10 and 11, Paul says, Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples for us. And they were written for our admonition, whom the ends of the earth, whom the ends of the ages have come. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. What examples? What was written for our admonition? Well, in Exodus 16, verse 2, do you remember the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt? Do you remember that story? It's awesome. Right? God's displaying his mighty power here and pillar of fire and pillar cloud by day, parting the Red Sea. It's not long after that that they, they rebel against God. In Exodus 16, 2, they're complaining and they're grumbling against God and against Moses and his leadership. And they say, would that we had died in Egypt. This same theme comes up again later in Numbers. I'm going to read it for you. Numbers for, uh, chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. <laughs> the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not have been better for us to go back to Egypt? And so they said to one another, Let us choose another leader so we can go back to Egypt. Dude. You want to talk about judging things unright, judging things wrongly, judging things like misinterpreting? What what is God doing with the Israelites at this time? He's trying to bless them. He's trying to bring them into the good land, right? And they want to go back to slavery. And that's the human heart. Israel is typologically a picture of the human heart. It's written for our instruction. Everything that Israel, the Israelites do, all those mistakes, those things exist in our own soul. Okay, And we have a temptation to say the exact same things about the blessings that God is giving us and to judge things wrongly. Eventually God has enough. <laughs> and he sends a... He's like, you want to complain? All right. Here's some serpents. They're going to bite you. A lot of people died that day. Complaint is always coupled with the judgment of God. Always in Scripture. There's, there's usually some kind of divine judgment that comes. And that brings perspective. Oh, maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought. Maybe we weren't totally right in our complaints. 
Eventually, God has to say to the, the, the first generation of Israelites, your complaints, your grumbling, your disobedience is going to cost you. I can't let you enter into the land. And it's, and it's the children of the next generation that get to enter into the promised land. And that generation dies off in the wilderness. <clears throat> How do we not complain? The way to do to not do something bad is to replace it by doing something good. When we meet with hard things, we have to suspend first suspend our judgment. This might mean activating faith and believing that what is present to our immediate senses is not the only true and real thing. It means examining our habits. This is what I want you guys to do. Before you utter your complaint, pause. Examine what you say. Look at even the words. Don't say bad words. Most of you guys think bad words are just foul language, obscene language, profanity, and that's true. But words that catastrophize things, that that say things are worse than they really are, those are little tiny lies that you're telling yourself all the time. This is like a psychological thing. Psychologists call this catastrophizing. It's like when, when young people on college campuses to say, today are saying, uh, are screaming at speakers that are coming in to talk to them and trying to shut those speakers down. They're, saying, they're holding up signs saying, we're dying. You're killing us with your message of hate, right? Is that true? No, they're not killing it with a message. It's just another viewpoint. But this thing happens all the time today. We catastrophize things all the time. We say, that's the worst. How many times do we say that, right? That's not true. That's not the worst. I locked my keys in my car. That's the worst. That's actually not the worst. Like there, We can imagine lots of worse things than that. And, but we get comfortable with just saying those things, if, if those words are on our lips, those are little tiny lies, right, about the world. We know full well. Now, this is, I'm, guys, I'm talking to myself, too, just, okay? I'm talking to myself. <laughs> we know full well that missing a wave, for instance, because I can't paddle into it, is most certainly not worth shouting Screaming. How many? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But like, this happens to me, and I'm like, ah, come on. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, I'm in the water. It's beautiful out. I can move around. There's a lot to be thankful for right now. Who cares if I didn't get that wave, even if it was really good? And yet, <clears throat> when our first response, to some typical challenge is to scream or shout or say that's the worst, then we, ha- then we know at that point you, you know you've cultivated habits of complaint. What is your first response? That's what I want you guys to think about. What's your first response to something hard? All right, recall Job. Remember what happened to Job? He had some suffering. Somebody tell me what happened to Job. Come on. We teach Bible here, don't we? <laughs> Job? 
Nobody knows what happened to Job? London? Uh, okay. Well, the first one is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I just thought of a joke. I'm not going to say it. Um, but <laughs> the Lord took his kids, all his livestock, all his cattle, right? The house fell down on his children as they were eating and feasting. It's awful. And all those things happened one after another. This happened. He gets a messenger saying, I'm, I'm alone, I've escaped to tell you. By the way, everything, robbers came and stole everything. I w- By the way, I was alone, I alone escaped to tell you, your kids just died, right? Terrible things. And then, if that's not enough, he gets sores and boils all over his skin. But in the, in the first instance, what he loses everything, loses his family, loses his house and his wealth, his wife tells him, you should, you should just curse God and die. And Job says to his wife, you speak as one of the foolish women. It's a wisdom thing again. It's a wisdom thing. Job knew it. You speak as a foolish woman. Shall we receive good from God and not receive evil? Oh, how hard is that to say? How do you, that's right, how do you receive hard things? In all of this, it says Job did not sin with his lips. In the book of Jude, Paul says unto God, uh, says God judges grumblers and malcontents following their own sinful desires. And similarly, C.S. Lewis says that if we're not critical of our own complaints, we actually become a complaint ourselves. If this is all we do with our life, he talks about this in The Great Divorce, where they're going, it's like after death, and um, you see the lives of people and, and the, the sins of those people that have kind of characterized their life. And one of these people that he runs into is this woman that's just always complaining about everything. And eventually, she's not even a woman anymore. She's just this kind of complaint walking around, in, incarnate, a complaint incarnate. And he says, the problem with that is that you're not allowed to, to judge your complaint anymore. You're, you know, if you're so used to complaining, if it's always on your lips to express how bad things are, then you're never able to fully criticize your own complaint. You're never able to stand outside of that and say, maybe I'm not right, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not right about this. And you can go from being discontent to being a malcontent. All right. It should, it should be enough. I'm going to finish up here. It should be enough to, to move us that grumbling and complaining is always paired with divine judgment. It's all over the scripture. Okay? That should be enough. But here's something interesting. Even the virtuous pagans saw complaining as a serious vice. The pagans, people. This is Marcus Aurelius. He says, don't be overheard complaining, not even to yourself. <laughs> Why does he say not even to yourself? I don't know. Because you deceive yourself when you tell yourself 
little lies about how bad things are all the time. You begin to believe your own judgment of things. That's the danger. Yeah, things are really bad. No, they're not. They're not that bad. Most of the time, we live in a pretty good place. It's not that bad. Similarly, Epictetus, who influenced Marcus Aurelius, says, but he who gave also takes away. What does that sound like? (laughs) Did I not just read that out of the book of Job? And here's a pagan philosopher, hundreds of years before Christ. And he says, but he who gave also takes away. And so when you have received everything and your very self from another, God, do you yet complain and blame the giver? If he take away something from you? Really interesting. Sometimes God gives us hard things to teach us. That even can be a blessing. It takes a lot of wisdom to see that, though. As I said, as we looked at the words of Prince Harry, when, he, when he's looking at the battlefield of Agincourt, and he says, <laughs> as, as, he, as his outnumbered army is about to die, he says, well... Some good can be distilled out of things evil if wise men observingly consider it. And he says our, our, our neighbors, the people that we're about to fight, makes us early risers. <laughs> and that's good. That's good health to us. All right, last question. Final questions. For you, do I grumble? Or am I a grumble? Is grumbling something, some, something you do sometimes, or is this something you do all the time? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Um, there is going to be a confessional in the back later, um, and I'll uh, have Father Rob come in and do some absolution. Just kidding. Um, no, this is for you guys to consider. Do I have, do I have the wisdom to be critical of my own complaints. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And thank you for wisdom that it cries aloud, even to the simple, Lord. It's open to all of us. Help us to have that wisdom so that we can not fall into the temptation of always complaining about life, but to have the wisdom to see how you can teach us through it, to have the wisdom to be critical of our own judgments of things. And Lord, we ask that you would protect us this week, and we continue to pray for the Claytons. In Jesus' name, amen. Off you go.